welcome to the Nomadic Mindset Season 1. My name is Kevin Cottom, a global nomad and the author of the leadership book, The Nomadic Mindset Never Settle for Too Long. Over the season, we will go on a journey to discover what is the nomadic mindset and how you can tap into that. For this, I will be interviewing a diverse group of cross-cultural thought leaders from all walks of life. So let's get on with it. Let's go nomading together. Welcome to The Nomadic Mindset. And if you are tuning in for the first time today, thank you for taking the time to come and explore ideas and thoughts. In this episode, The Nomadic Mindset meets the amazing, human-powered explorer, Grant Axe Rawlinson. Grant, or Axe as he likes to be called, is not only a human-powered explorer, but a team decision-making coach. Axe has certainly adapted his explorations of climbing and cycling and rowing and walking complex environments to help teams working in organizational complex environments transform their decision-making culture so they can work more effectively together when the consequences of failure are high. Axe has a lot to share, so let's hear it from Axe. Axe, can you please tell our audience what is a human-powered explorer? Well, basically, well, ever since I grew up as a little boy in New Zealand in a remote rural environment, I've always loved traveling and exploring by my own human power. That means not using any motors, not using any animals or like riding any horses, not using any wind or sails even, just uh, either walking, riding my bicycle, paddling my boats, rowing my boats, etc., or climbing mountains. So the last 25 years of my life, I've really dedicated myself to human-powered exploration and in, in particular, making long journeys uh, around the world using nothing more than my, my own human power. And this, this may include, you know, making journeys of thousands of kilometers, walking across countries, cycling across continents, uh, rowing across seas and climbing some of the, the tallest mountains in the world, and including Mount Everest. God, I don't know. I'm exhausted already just listening to your explorations. <laughs> well, uh, conversely, it actually uh, gives me a massive amount of energy doing this kind of stuff. It may sound uh, tiring and it is physically exhausting, but spiritually, emotionally, it gives me so much energy. I find it so much exo- so, so very exciting and inspirational. Just planning them and thinking about them gets me excited. Yeah, I can relate to that also because of the nomadic mindset and the journeys that I'm taking with that for exploration as well and adventure, but also the learning. Now, when you say the powered, human powered, now this is very interesting because I was just thinking as you were saying that is there's not really a lot of devices. Like, for example, if we think about today that people have all the sorts of devices which are not necessarily human powered, but the human power is really coming from your internal uh, desire and your your feats that you can do with not only your mind but your heart and your whole body, every, the completion. So, how is this? How can you relate that to organizations and the work that you do? Yeah, so interesting question. My journeys are very, uh, you know, the format of my journeys, the way that I conduct my journeys, just happens to be my by my preference, which is human power. 
Now, when I work with organizations, I'm very much dealing with the human aspect of organizations. And in particular, I focus on two main areas. I uh, focus on what I call the explorer's mindset, and I focus on critical decision-making that organizations need to make to really thrive in these complex, ambiguous, uncertain environments. So, you know, there's a lot of AI, there's a lot of machines, there's a lot of gadgetry these days, but at the end of the day, human beings are the ones who really need to be involved making these complex decisions, especially in highly volatile times. Mm. Yeah, the human has not been sort of extracted from the sort of technology of which we think that it's going to scare us all into we won't have any part in in this whole sort of future but it's true we need the human right and you say you talk about the mindset so can we just talk because this is the nomadic mindset podcast is what is the explorer's mindset i'm just wondering if it's similar to the nomadic mindset what would you say yeah so my definition of the explorer's mindset really is how you can be number one or how you can lead your field by being unique by acting differently than everybody else instead of playing in the same field as everybody else. So in my world, the world of adventure, for example, it's a very competitive environment. You know, there's lots of people going on adventures. There's lots of people vying for the same pots of sponsorship. There's lots of people vying for the attention and trying to do different things. And what I realized early on was that in this world of adventure, there is two types of people. There's people who queue up on Mount Everest and climb it with thousands of other people. There's people who do things. They may be daring. They may be thrilling. They may be very challenging, but they've been done before. And these people are trying to do them faster or, you know, in a slightly different way. But then there's the people who do things completely differently. And these people do things which – no one has ever thought of before. And, you know, the first time you hear it, you go, wow, what didn't I think of that? Well, that's crazy, you know. And these people in the world of adventure get termed explorers. And explorers are very different. They have a different mindset than just adventurers. Explorers think differently. They have a different mindset. And I've really devoted the last 20 years of my life to human-powered exploration, which means looking for different things to do, looking for unique things to do, looking for things that no one has ever tried before. And that's my definition of the explorer's mindset. And I define the very first step in it as, as being bitten by a bug. And the bug is my acronym for a bold, unique goal. If you're going to adopt the explorer's mindset, then your goals, they need to be unique by de definition. You know, no one's achieved them before. You're literally being creative. You're disrupting. You're innovating. You're trying something new. And because of this fact that your goal, your, your challenge is, is, is unique and it's never been done before, there won't be very much information about it. And this can be very scary, you know, especially when you're planning big projects. So by very definition, there's not much information about it. You don't even know if it's possible. It's going to be bold as well. Hence a bold, unique goal, the first step in the explorer's mindset. Wow. I saw lots of bugs recently in Namibia. <laughs> Did you get bitten by one? I didn't get bitten by one, but I actually was very fascinated with termite 
hills. So and, and termite hills are actually quite wonderful looking hills. And I realized and I found out from them that in actual fact, the termite hill, the ants are the ones that are the creating it or building it for the termites. So they're the slaves of the termites. And then they have also allow for space for the bees to come in and to able to, if there's a hole in the, in, in the termite hill, the bees can come in and create their little hives and develop their honey. But also, if there is another hole into it, a snake can come in and get out from the, because it's nice and chilly and cool in there, yeah. they can get out from the sun. So, the bug. So, it's this uniqueness that you're talking about, this unique goal. Do you find, though, that when you go into organizations that it's very difficult for a lot of people to tune into your mindset and be in your realm? And how do you get into their realm? Well, we don't need to be rocket scientists these days to understand that in the business world, organizations need to disrupt they need to innovate. They need to think creatively. They need to try new things. Otherwise, they're just going to be left behind. This is not a nice-to-have part of your organization. This is absolutely critical. And I love to use the analogy of children, human beings in general. And when we think about this mindset within organizations, Kevin, if we think about children and, and what they're like, and we think in the way we live our lives in, in two modes, exploring, we're either exploring, we're trying new things, or we're exploiting, we're taking advantage of things we already have or we already know. And I don't use the term exploit here in a negative sense, I just mean exploit in the terms of the fact that you already have something available, you're not having to go out and try and develop something new. So exploring, we're either generally in one of these two modes, we're not in both of them at the same time, you're either in exploring mode, trying something new, or you're in exploiting mode, you're sticking with what you've got, and you're taking advantage of it. Now, as children, children are generally highly exploratory. They're very much in the exploring mode. They're terrible ex at exploiting. You know, they, 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 they're, they're doing, they've got short attention spans. They're always learning. They're trying new things. I've got two little girls who are four and a half years old, and it's wonderful to see them. It can be a bit frustrating at sometimes, you know, trying to get them to teach them and to teach them to do, to do uh, certain things, but they're always trying new things. But conversely, when we get to the end of our lives or approaching the end of our lives, people seem to be much more in the exploiting mode. You know, they're eating the food that they know that they like. They're reading the books that they know they like. They watch the movies they know they like. They visit the places. They hang out with the people that they know. They're not really highly motivated coming towards the end of their life to explore new things in general. And what this really signals to us is really as a really important lesson in business. In business, organizations which are more heavily in exploiting mode or or investing the majority of their of their time purely exploiting, purely just dealing with their own products and systems and services and processes that they've already developed. They're only spending their time doing that are 
displaying the same symptoms that humans are. They are displaying the fact that they may be coming to the end of their lives as well. So, is it hard for me to relate exploring the explorer's mindset to business? Not really, not at all. I think uh, most of the organizations that I work with, they understand that exploring is absolutely critical, that innovating, thinking creatively, thinking out of the box is absolutely critical. The challenge is not getting people to understand that exploring is important. It's getting them to implement it. It is the implementation of thinking creatively and driving creativity that is the challenge in organizations today, not just getting people to think creatively. And this is a really great point, is the implementation, right? It's very interesting in many ways. Implementation is is actually like action learning in many ways, uh, I would suspect, and what I would think. And what I find very interesting about nomadic cultures and also what you talked about with children is that their learning and the nomadic cultures that I spent with, it's all about action learning. It's about actually physically doing stuff. It's not just about thinking about it, but it's actually doing it. And so they give some thought to it and some ideas and some creativity to the ideas and solutions that they need, but then they enact it. There's not really a time for procrastination simply because it's a survival. And so I like what you're talking about, this implementation, and it is about survival if those organizations are just exploiting, as you say. So then if that's the case, how can you help them to move into that implementation phase? Well, this is where the explorer's mindset is so critical because the explorer's mindset is not just about thinking creatively and coming up with a new idea. You know, ideas, there is billions of ideas around the planet being generated all of the time. Majority of them are completely crap, right? (laughs) Let's be completely honest. Yes, exactly. The majority of most of my ideas are completely good. I don't even, they don't, they don't even get very far. There's a few ideas you know, which uh, have some merit. And there's a tiny, tiny, minuscule percentage of ideas which are are really good ones, okay? Now, the problem is, though, that we have a massive conflict in corporate life in the world of business when it comes to exploring, thinking exploratory or driving exploratory behavior. And this conflict is basically around this. Yes, organizations know they have to disrupt, they have to innovate, they have to explore. They already know that. We've gone over that already. But when it comes to driving exploration in their organization, they have one side of them, okay? It's almost like two people in the same organization or two mindsets in the same organization. We get one mindset, which is like, we want flawless execution, We want to drive down errors and we want to drive up productivity. We are Six Sigma black belts. We do not fail. We cannot afford to fail. There are no mistakes. We need to get out there. We need to make this happen within the next six months. And the challenge with having the explorer's mindset 
And ever since I adopted it over 20 years ago, is that my failure rate in, in my expeditions started going up, you know, dramatically when I started trying new things. Now, I've tried things like rowing over the Tasman Sea via the Southern Tasman route and failed time after time after time. And that's the problem with the explorer's mindset. It's not a magical pathway to success. In fact, most exploratory, innovative, disruptive techniques or, or approaches or attempts end in failure. So on one hand, we're, we're, we have these organizations trying to motivate their teams to say, you've got to try new things. You've got to think disruptively. You've got to be creative. And on the other hand, you've got to say, but whatever you do, don't make a mistake. Okay. Mm. Don't get anything wrong here. We can't afford that. So you're trying to run while your legs are tied. And Another thing about exploring versus exploiting and developing an explorer's mindset, you know, organizations cannot be in fully in exploit mode and they cannot be fully in explore mode because exploit, when you're exploiting, when you're dealing with what you've got existing, that's how you generate cash flow. You know, you've created a, a wonderful product. Now you go out there and you manufacture it and you get economies of scale and you distribute it and you really, you know, you exploit it and this is where your cash flow comes. This is where you make money. When you explore, generally, you're not making any money. It's not, this, it's an expense. Well, you could call it an investment. It's a, I would call it an investment, but it's not generally generating any cash flow for you at that stage. So you can't be 100% in explore mode because you're not generating any revenue or at least in a long term, a strategic point of view, you can't be eternally just exploring all the time. You have to have a balance of exploit versus exploring. But the real, the real challenge in the organizations, Kevin, is this conflict between not making any mistakes, you know, flawless execution, which is a word I absolutely can't stand in the corporate world. Flawless execution. Let's go and explore and innovate, but let's let's do it with flawless execution. It's just it just doesn't happen. If we're going to encourage our people to be explorers and try new things, we have to realize that not every project, not every idea is going to be successful. Absolutely. You got to get messy. It's going to get messy at times, right? And you need to allow that messiness to happen. I mean, it's uh, that's absolutely true. I mean, with the nomadic mindset, it's very similar to what you're talking about with the explorers and what I call it as the movement of the mind, and which allows that fluidity of being able to explore, but at the same time being able to, as you talk about, exploit to keep some sort of semblance of order. I mean, I find it really fascinating what you're talking about with regards to the exploitation and impl implementation on an ongoing basis that it has to be. So, how are you helping organizations to get around that so that they don't have that continual focus? And what, what are you doing with leaders to, to get them to see the bigger picture? So, so I, there's the inspirational piece for a start. People in organizations, just by default, you go into, I mean, I worked in the corporate world myself for 17 years, you know, and it's very easy to get stuck into the cycle where you go into the office, 
and every day. You may be in the same role for seven years without changing. You know, when you first go in for the first six months, everything's new and you, and you question everything. But then after a while, it all becomes kind of the status quo. It becomes normal. You settle down. And then without knowing it, you become lazy. And I don't mean lazy from a physical sense, but I, I mean lazy in your thinking, in your creative thinking especially. So, so many people are stuck in what I call operational mode. They're just doing the daily stuff, the daily grind, day after day. And they lack the ability to be able to step outside the picture. I, I, don't, remember, I don't remember who made this quote, but I love the quote, is that to be able to see the full picture, you need to step outside the frame. Now, what I do with my teams and, and my clients is give them an ability to step outside the frame, to step outside their frames so they can look at their picture from a completely different view. I give them this opportunity for half a day or a full day or on, on these journeys that we go through with these team development journeys to really think strategically, critically, and collaboratively together about what they need to do to drive their business and more specifically, what they need to do, what decisions, what critical decisions do they need to make in order to adopt the explorer's mindset. And I think this is an opportunity which everyone can grow from, even myself and my own business, you know, and, and, and you know what it's like yourself, Kevin, having your own speaking, coaching and training business. You get so busily wrapped up in day-to-day -day stuff, you know, writing your blog posts, designing your curriculums, doing your selling and marketing for you, you know, doing this podcast here. And really, there's always a to-do list of 500 things on it, which you're never going to get to the bottom of it. And sometimes you just need that opportunity to be pulled away, to be pulled outside of your frame. So you can look at the bigger picture and say, hold on, is this the direction that I'm really going in? Is this the right direction? Is this based on my purpose and values and strategy? Or do I need to realign somewhere? So that's basically at a higher level what I do, Kevin, is give teams, give leaders the opportunity to stand back and look at their picture from a different angle. I like that very much. I mean, if I think you know of the quote that I learned in Mongolia from a young student, a Mongolian student, and she said that nomads think vastly, act narrowly. And that's really what you're talking about is that expansion. So often that people come into a space in a very narrow space, but they have a very hard time to expand, to see the bigger picture. And what they, uh, the nomads that I see and experience is, is that they see this wider expansiveness and then they see all the possibilities of uh, what they need to do with this, with their animals or the strategies that they need. And when the th things are changing, the weather is changing or whatever, but then for the community, they have to narrow in focus very fast to make a decision. You know, I absolutely love that concept and the way you explain it. Coming back to this, the, the idea of exploration and innovation, when we're in the ideation phase, then we need to think, you know, 
diversely. This is the stage in decision-making where it's great to have lots of people involved throwing ideas around and 360-degree views and no idea is a bad idea and just think out of the box and expansive thinking. And as you put it with the nomadic mindset, thinking thinking vastly, right? But, yes. But once we, once we select an idea, which is a critical phase of this as well, once we choose a project, an idea, a system, in my case, an expedition, then the thinking has to change completely. And we have to go from this diverse thinking, okay, to convergent thinking, from divergent thinking to convergent thinking and, and acting very narrowly, as you put it. And I, and I think that's also one of the challenges as well, is understanding these different types of thinking in the whole phase um, and how the, the thinking needs to change. And it may even be different people within the organization you need to have involved in different stages here because very creative types of people who can think, you know, at, at different kind of levels and have these very, very broad horizons, they may not necessarily be the right people to, as you put it, act narrowly because, because they really struggle to focus and concentrate for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And so often, people approach ideation many ways in a very narrow space to start with. And so consequently, how do you help them, like we do in coaching, people come to us, right, with challenges or problems, and they're seeing it in a very small way, instead of how do you sort of inch them out to see the bigger picture and all the possibilities. So it's the same thing. How do you get them from there in that ideation to start looking at the decision from a bigger and then to, as you say, divergent and then to converge? Yeah. So, so you, sorry, you're asking me how? How, I do, how do you go? How do you? How, how are you able to move them from that sort of narrowing convergent and open them to divergent before they come back to convergent again? In a nutshell, the most practical way of doing this is by introducing cognitive diversity in your teams. Cognitive diversity is having people who think differently in our teams. Cognitive diversity is different to demographic diversity. You know, There's a lot of people banging on about demographic diversity today, which is more about inclusion. Okay, I'm not an inclusion expert by any means, but what I've noticed is that teams who have cognitive diversity are always more successful in my decision-making workshops. And this transpires, the way I first noticed this was that every team that seemed to win because my decision-making workshops have a competitive element. Every team that seemed to win my decision-making workshops seemed to have a balanced mix of males and females in them. The all-female teams or the all-male teams never seemed to win. And initially, I thought this was just happening by chance or luck. But the more and more it happened, the more I realized something's going on here. This is not just purely chance. And what I'd stumbled on completely by accident was this hidden power of cognitive diversity. So without having to introduce models or go into design thinking workshops, etc., if you want to do one thing with your teams to increase their ability to make more effective decisions together and think creatively and solve complex problems and drive innovation and be disruptive, 
increase their cognitive diversity. That's uh, great to hear that. And I think we talked about this at one point, and I just want to share with you a study that was done in with nomadic cultures with a Himba, a woman by this name of Sarah Pope. She is a cognitive uh, psychologist, and she did a test uh, to see about the difference in thinking pattern of the Himba, which is a very ancient tribe in Namibia and also with Western cultures. And what she found was that she was doing this exercise and she, they were to do online, so on, on, a, on an iPad, they were to just press different figures that were on there. She just told them there was a, a goal to the end of it. And, but she also noticed that there was also a shortcut that she introduced, which was a separate icon. The first time she went through it, the Himba came out much more cognitively flexible because they chose the shortcut, something different. Whereas the Westerners did everything as she said, so just lined up. But then when she said, no, you can use shortcuts, you can do all sorts of things, you can be creative, whatever, it came out equal. So there must be something to do with the education and the way we run our organizations as well is that you have to think this way that people don't want to have the fear of failure and all sorts of things, but to be able to say, okay, you can take shortcuts as long as they are within the vision and, and you know, they're not hurting anyone and whichever. But there's something there which you're talking about. You know, she's scientifically proven that in, in so many ways. So I love what you're talking about. This is fantastic. You know, I think we probably... We could go on forever talking about the explorer's mindset and your wonderful world of exploring. And just share with the, the audience what you're going to do on your next exploration. So my next uh, project, Kevin, is to cross the Bay of Bengal, which is the world's largest bay. And it sits in between a number of countries, India and Sri Lanka on the west side. Myanmar, Bangladesh, Thailand, and Malaysia and Indonesia. So I plan to try and cross it completely by human power in a brand new boat, a pedal-powered boat, which I'm designing and building at the moment. And the crossing will take place from starting in Singapore and traveling up the Straits of Malacca for 1,300 kilometers to Phuket in Thailand, and then heading out west into the Bay of Bengal, hopefully in January of next year, which is the time of the year when I the wind will be favorable, blowing in the right direction. And hopefully I won't be um, hit by one of the massive cyclones, which uh, the Bay of Bengal is, is, is well noted for. Now, one of the differences on this expedition, which is really exciting me, is the higher purpose of the expedition. Instead of just being about, you know, making these journeys by human power, because that's that's my purpose, I'm working together with a scientific research institute called Indigo 5, and I'll be collecting water samples all the way across of the Bay of Bengal to contribute to a global ocean health map of, of the world's ocean at the um, by studying the microbiology. So it's going to be a really, really interesting project. Coronavirus is throwing up a few little unexpected speed humps at the moment, but I'm still hoping that uh, we can keep on track so I can uh, set off in January of next year. Wow, that sounds so exciting. And I'm sure that everybody supports you that's listening. And, and if they're not listening, they ought to be supporting you. This is a fantastic uh, expedition that's coming up for you. And I'm sure that 
you're doing it not only for yourself, but also for the good of mankind. And I think that's a wonderful purpose. And thank so you. I, w- I want to thank you, Grant, for your wisdom, your thoughts, your your exploration, your, your mind, the way you see things, the way you think, the way you can explore, n- not just for us, but you help us to do that and through your stories and also your practical courses as well. So thanks very much. And if there's one last thing that you want to say to our audience, what would that be? Oh, wow. <laughs> In short. That's your, that's your hardest question you've asked me. <laughs> that's the hardest <laughs> question you've asked me. If there's one thing I'd like to say to the world at the moment, uh, because uh, we're in this crazy time with coronavirus, and the one thing that's shown to me about decision-making in general is that if we're scared enough, the entire world can join together on an aligned purpose of stopping a virus spreading around the world. And this is showing true alignment, the way that almost every single country in the world has responded. Why can we not do this with even more pressing issues which are confronting our planet? And I'm talking about major environmental issues, you know, climate change and and, and things like this. We need to align together and fight these massive challenges to humanity, to the human race, which are much more important than coronavirus in the bigger term. And coronavirus, we should take inspiration from the fact that we can do this. That's it. Ah, ditto. What a beautiful message, Grant. Again, many thanks for being on the show today with us and sharing your thought leadership with the audience. Again, thanks very much and see you soon. Thanks, Kevin. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Nomadic Mindset Season 1. My name is Kevin Cottom, and I invite you to find out more about The Nomadic Mindset at thenomadicmindset.com. Until next time, make it a point to go nomading and start discovering your nomadic mindset.